You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Cubs fans, and welcome to Locked On Cubs. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Joe Kilgallen. Also, give this great podcast a follow. That is at Locked On Cubs. I hope everyone's had themselves a wonderful weekend. Our Cubs did not. They had a great Saturday, but they didn't complete the weekend. In order to have a great weekend, everyone, you have to have a good three days. Otherwise, it's not a great weekend. You have a good Saturday, you could say, yeah, decent weekend. Good Friday, pretty good, right? But then, if, actually, if you have a good Friday, but then Saturday and Sunday suck, it's a terrible weekend. That is a terrible, because all you remember is the last two days, you know? So it's something to think about when answering the great weekend question. The Cubs lost two out of three to the Southside White Sox. And, uh, you know, the, the first game, I remember thinking, all right, that we lost 17 to 13, everyone. And, I, and I'll get into the deets, the details for the cool kids. I remember thinking to myself, you know what? At, at least we scored 13 runs. Some people were just like, what an embarrassment. And there was some sloppy, sloppy play involved. This is true. And I thought to myself, isn't it a real embarrassment for, for the White Sox? You go 13 runs of the Cubs. You know, everyone's like acknowledging the fact that the Cubs are not exactly a full-on major league team at this moment in time. But so giving up 13 runs there, that's that's a little more embarrassing, I feel like. Cubs giving up 17 runs. I mean, we've given up 17 runs to, to horrible teams this season. So I'm not I want to be patting yourself on the back too hard there, Sox fans. Then Saturday, we come out and we win seven zip. I guess the thing that hurt the most about Friday, if I could backtrack for a second, is that we were up six zero. And then we go off to a 6 nothing lead again, and we're thinking, no lead is safe with this team. But it was. It was Alec Mills pitching to the ninth inning. Almost got that complete game. And Patrick Wisdom, I'm, I'm going to gush about Patrick Wisdom plenty on this episode of the podcast, and we will take a deeper dive on the, into the pitching and some other aspects of the Cubs uh, as they stand here on, I'm recording this Sunday, August 29th, 2021. There was some breaking news that went down that is kind of a national baseball story, but has some heavy... Uh, Cubs aspects to it. Some big stuff uh, that Cubs fans uh, will be really interested in. That's I have to tell you, though, everyone, this episode is brought to you by Locked in MLB. Join walking baseball encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan Sully every day on the Locked in MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past, featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from the Locked in MLB network team of local experts. So subscribe to Locked in MLB today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. I should not have scarfed four slices of pizza before hitting record because I'm a big red pepper flakes guy and I am they are on the tongue right now and I kind of have to do like a little flick off the teeth you ever get the little red red flipper red I can't see hold on let's take a quick second here red pepper flakes you ever get them in your teeth and you got to flick them off you know if, you, if you're at a, an Italian restaurant you don't keep floss on you maybe you do maybe that's a boss move that you do where you keep floss you get those little floss picks that's that's really that's the move right there because you can sneak off in the bathroom, use those real quick, throw them in the can, no big deal. You could do that in a public bathroom. You walk into a public bathroom and some guy's got a foot of you know floss like tape and he's go, he's going to town in, in between some in the in between the molars. Then that's that's a that's a trashy appeal, right? You, you see that guy in there and you're like, what are you doing, man? Huh? What are you gonna do? Cut your toenails next? Huh? You trash bag, right? All right, here's the national news I wanted to talk about. Now, the New York Mets, if you are not aware, have been scuffling 
a very, very horrible August for the Mets in which they were a first place team at the start of the month. They started the month of August in first place, and here they now stand seven and a half games back. There are four games under 500 with a record of 63 and 67. They've won three of their last 10. Uh, they have won two, two in a row, though. And again, just a really ugly month. Atlanta Braves were the opposite when the month started, and they are now 11 games over, and even the Phillies have jumped ahead. As far as the wild card pitcher goes, the Mets are seven games back of that. So the Mets are incredibly unlikely to make the playoffs. Mets fans felt that the general manager in the front office did not do enough at the deadline. The big acquisition was... The uh, two Cubs players, Javi Baez, and they also got Trevor Williams. And Trevor Williams could not have been considered a big acquisition. Javi Baez, yes, they gave up their number five ranked prospect, a player they just drafted last season in Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA is what people have been calling him, a guy that projects pretty well. <laughs> it was a, it was a, from the Cubs standpoint, to trade the final two months of Javier Baez, who, let's face it, Baez is still having like, you know, I guess average-ish season, not not his best by his standards. It's super high strikeout rate, leads baseball in strikeouts, but was you know a lot of home runs for a shortstop driving in the driving in runs. Seems to still have that clutch factor going to him. Javi defense not as good as years past, but still pretty pretty darn impressive. Good base runner too. I think he was like a two WAR player when we dealt him, and he's you know he's injured a little bit for them. Had some ups and downs, and to, and the game today, Baez goes deep, hits a bomb, and when he steps on home plate, he does kind of like a thumbs-down thing. And a few other Mets players were seen doing this thumbs-down thing. In particular, friend uh, Lindor and uh, Kevin Mil- Pilar? Millar? No, it's Kevin Pilar. Yeah, so Lindor, who they signed to a massive, massive contract, I believe around $400 million contract extension in spring training, who's been banged up and has not lived up to that deal. Again, year one, though, I always try to remind fans that, yeah, you want to get off to a good start, but we've seen it. A lot, a lot of great Cubs acquisitions started off bad. Derek Lee was not very good his first season with the Cubs. Moises Alou was bad 2002, his first season. Just just to remind people, you know, sometimes it's you get off to a slow start. Uh, you Darvish. As recently as you, Darvish, you know? And then you got other guys who get off to hot starts, like Ben Zobris was great his first season. Lester got off to a first shaky, like, month or two, but then had a really nice 2015. So, yeah, you know, it goes goes back and forth, but there's been a history of plenty of really good players not living up to the hype right away. But then they settle in, and I'm sure Lindor was going to do that. Lindor is a a phenomenal player. And if the Mets are unhappy with him in the offseason and they're looking for someone to take on that contract – I don't know if I'd want the Cubs to do it, actually, now that I think about it. Even though he is only 28, 29, it's just that we have so much shortstop depth right now. I know I've been saying that I'm, I'm cool with going for Seager or Correa. I profiled the two of them. But Correa is 26. Seager also 27-ish, 26, 27. They'll both be 27 next year. They both could slide over to third easier. And I think they're Correa will probably sign an eight-year deal. Where Seager, I feel like you get for like a five- or six-year deal. You know, and he probably want an opt out after three, perhaps. So, you know, and we got the shortstop dead coming in. I don't know though. Lindor though, Lindor's pretty great. I'd have to really look at his medicals and figure out why he has not performed up to his standard this year. But anyway, I, I want to talk about why this ties into the Cubs 
because there's a lot of chatter going on amongst Cubs fans about booing and how Cubs were, were more loyal to our players because Mets fans are furious right now because, again, like I said, those three players did a thumbs down. Javi was asked post-game press conference, why? What was that thumbs down thing about? He goes, well, that was to the fans. The fans have been on us and booing us a lot, so we feel like the fans need to be better. They need to support us more. Look, And Javi said, look, we love the fans, but it's, it's hard when they're booing us constantly. And I first thought, like, you know what? I was torn about that. I'm against booing your own team because it doesn't make sense. No player in the history of any sport really has said, you know, I was really struggling there for a while, Bob. And then I heard my, my own fans start booing me and telling me I suck. And then I just snapped right out of it and had one of the best seasons of my life. So I really want to thank them for booing me. I, I, I wasn't aware that I was playing terribly until they told me. And I was like, this is thanks guys. Now I'm, I'm back off to the races again. Appreciate you. No, that's never happened. I really, I don't, it, it usually makes things worse. I feel like, and I know the players are getting paid a lot of money and they should be blocking that out and all this, but maybe that's their way of getting back into unison. Maybe that's what their team chemistry is going for. You know, sometimes you have that manager who's like, I'm going to go out there and be the bad guy so that the press puts all their energy towards me and my players can just play. Maybe the players, maybe Javi and Lindor and other guys in that clubhouse were like, you know what? It's us against the world. Our fans don't even have our backs right now. And I was reading some stuff. I was reading some stuff from Mets fans back and forth with each other because a lot of the Mets fans are like, screw this. Screw any player who boos us. You know, we pay your salary. And then there was other Mets players, Mets fans, I should say, who were like, look, though, we are being kind of ridiculous. Michael Conforto was three for four, and in his fourth at bat, when he didn't get a hit, we booed him. Imagine booing someone who got base hits their previous three at bats. That to me is insane. That's insane. If someone goes three for three, their fourth at bat, they pop up in the infield. You're like, you suck. Boo. Like, that's, that's bad. And as a player, I, I would feel the same way. I feel like I'm always going to be a pro player guy. Because, you know, I wanted to be a player like a lot of us. You know, I played high school ball. I wasn't very good. But, you know, I, I played baseball growing up. And in, in, I peaked in grade school. I was pretty awesome in grade school. But we, you know, we all, a lot of us were. And even though we're fans now, we have the fan mentality and we want to be respected as fans, I have no problem with they're human beings. So if they want to stick up for themselves and Javi basically saying, yeah, when we do good, you guys go crazy for us. We do bad. You don't stick by us. So guess what? When we do good, we're going to boo you now. Let's Let's see how you. I don't know. I kind of I'm digging it. And as a fan base, maybe it's a wake-up call to Mets fans, and maybe it's a wake-up call to a lot of franchises out there thinking, man, this is a different era now. The players have more choices than before. And and someone said, hey, what other what team's going to want a player that boos the fans? I'm sure there's going to be some fan base out there or some ownership team out there that's going to be like, uh, I, I used to work in New York. I totally understand. I'm on Hobby's side. You know, I'm sure the angels will give him some money. I'm sure like there's going to be, he's Javi's going to have plenty of suitors. He's not going to get that huge contract he wanted or was first reported or who knows what the truth was there where he wanted 150 million or he turned out 180 or all this other stuff. He might have to have one of those contracts that I talked about last week that Marcus Simeon signed with the Toronto Blue Jays, a one year prove it deal. So, excuse me, I had to burp. I, I, the pizza guys, I just, I scarfed the pizza. I was starving and Javi might sign with like the angels, a one year, $15 million deal where they're going to be like, all right, show us. You could be the guy you were in 2018 and he's going to go off and do that. And then the next year, some team will, will probably overpay for his services. 
I mean, I, I don't think this is going to hurt them that much. I think it's going to hurt the Mets even more so because, and, and I'll continue this in a second. I, I, and by the way, everyone, I'm going to talk a lot of Cubs. Uh, normally I've been doing these player, uh, free agent, potential free agent fit profiles. After this break, I will wrap up this talk about the Cubs and Mets. And then I will dive into how, how amazing Patrick Wisdom's been and some other encouraging things we've seen from some a few of the Cubs players as of late. And then really dive into how poor the pitching is and, and some needs there. This episode is brought to you by Direct TV Stream, everybody. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports huts on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend log in for the good stuff, right? You know what I'm talking about. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. That's right. Get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you live TV on demand. Uh, your favorites together like never before. You can watch your favorite sports, movies, all in one place. So none of this, you know, bouncing off this log into that log in and the log, you know, it's, it's, it's enough, right? Cable was complicated and, you know, you're tied to a contract. That's what's great about this. Direct stream has no annual contract, but they're bringing back the simplicity of finding everything together. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with direct TV, everybody. So here's what you want to do again. Go to directtv.com and you could learn more about the direct TV stream. What compatible devices are required. Content uh, varies by package, all that good stuff. So check out direct TV stream. Okay. So Mets owner, I'm sorry. I apologize. Not the owner, the owner, Steve Cohen, who bought the team this past off season. A lot of Mets fans got excited because he basically came out going, we're going to spend, we're going to do some stuff. And they did a little. They did a little. They sent Taiwan Walker, who ended up being a pretty good uh, pickup for them. Marcus Stroman came back because he accepted the qualifying offer. So it wasn't like a big move there. And then they traded for Lindor, Frankie Lindor, who, of course, Cubs fans know from the World Series in 2016. Been an all-star, an MVP-level player a few seasons with the Cleveland Indians. A guy I really wanted the Cubs to go after because I thought to myself, man, trade for him. Extend him, extend Javi. That's your up the middle. Wow. That is a sick defensive up the middle there. And Lindor is kind of the opposite player profile of Javi, where Lindor does not strike out a lot. So I'm like, there's your leadoff guy right there, too. It's just like, but of course, the Cubs didn't do that. Cubs won the division in 2020 and then cut payroll by $60 million because I, I don't know why. Oh, there was a pandemic. We couldn't sell any seats. Neither could the Brewers, but they added. So I don't know. Go figure. Sandy Alderson, president of baseball operations for the New York Mets, a guy who's been around baseball for a very long time, came out and basically stuck up for the fans, saying the fans have the right to boo. Our fan base has been frustrated with the way our team has played, and we do not support any Mets player booing our fan base. He basically threw Javier under the bus and did it hard. And just came out saying our, our fan base, it was funny, he said our fan base is loyal. Uh, eh, I don't know about that. It doesn't seem all that loyal to me. When uh, you know a guy doesn't go four for four and you boo him and other such things, it seems like they're frustrated, which I get. Fans are allowed to be frustrated, and I and again, I've seen times where it's okay to boo. Someone, you know, Javi when he forgot about how many outs there were. All right, you know, I remember Milton Bradley back in the day in 2009 season caught a fly ball with one out, thought it was out number three, threw it into the stands. It was number two, but he thought it was the third out. Threw it in the stance. Runner was able to come around and score by it because of that blunder. 
those are boo worthy moments. When players are just slumping, though, I've never understood the booing. I found this great clip of Bill Murray on David Letterman after the Cubs lost in the 2008 playoffs, in which he talked about how Cubs fans were changing and he didn't like that he was starting to see boos at Wrigley. He goes, We never did that as Cubs fans. You don't boo your own. And I still stand by that. Other fans, you have the right to disagree, of course, but. And there's no this notion that, yeah, we pay their salary. I mean, does that give you the right to be dis- disrespectful to anyone who makes a government salary? I don't think so. I think they're human beings, you know, and human beings are allowed to stick up for themselves. And that's what the players are doing. And Mets fans need to think to themselves, this is a bad reputation for us as fans because what free agents are going to want to sign with us? And I know money talks, but you're not getting a discount. You're not getting it. You know, that's the thing I always loved about when the Cubs were building up to that 2016 World Series, John Lester, Ben Zobris, Jason Hayward, even though the Hayward deal didn't work out as far as production goes. Great speech, though. We, all three of those guys I just named, signed here for less. They had higher offers elsewhere. The Mets, anyone they sign, you bet your ass it's going to be the highest offer. Something to think about. All right, let's talk about the series that was. I mentioned it briefly at the top. It was not good. It was not good for uh, the Cubs. You know, the first game, again, we lose 17-13. It's a slugfest. It was some sloppy defense. Andrew Romine, you know, I've said this about him before. All respect to the guys still living out his dream. He's a Major League Baseball player. So many of us would love for that. He's a 35-year-old shortstop who's, you know, I would keep hanging around as long as possible if I were him too. But you can't be dropping pop-ups that way, buddy. You can't be. He dropped a pop-up that was crucial, and the Cubs just really blew that lead. Keegan Thompson was the starter, and his pitch count got high and out of control so quickly. And then, you know, our bullpen was, you know, up until late June, early July, was one of the best in baseball. And then some wear and tear came, and then we traded the three-headed monster, I used to call him, of Kimbrel, Chafin, and Tapera. although Kimbrel's has not been looking sharp. The Cubs tattooed him for a few runs. Chafin and Tapera are both still pitching at a high level. But, you know, you trade those three, and then everything else gets shuffled around, and then it, now it comes to the point where the guys you kind of relied on to, to mop up some, some bad starting performances are now being pushed back later. Right now in the Cubs' bullpen, there are about three guys that I would trust with the ball, and that would be Dylan Hoyer, who we are. I'm sorry, Cody Hoyer. Why did I say Dylan? I was looking up at my screen and saw Dylan Cease's line. Former Cub prospect Dylan Cease pitched yesterday. You're listening to this on a Monday. Yesterday today for me for the White Sox. And he's been he's had a very good season. ZR is under four now. He's still a high pitch count guy. Walks a lot of people still. Uh, against a playoff team, I'm not confident in him if I'm a Sox fan, just to throw that out there. And he wasn't, he was pretty bad last year. His FIP was like almost six. You know, again, it was a short season, though. He's got good stuff, though. Uh, that knuckle curve he's been working on is really developing into a nice pitch. Fastball, even though it hits 97-98, isn't just, can't command it that well. You're going to get hit. But I, I like Hoyer. I like Manny Rodriguez. And maybe it's two. Maybe there's just two guys in the Cubs' bullpen that I could that you could kind of be like, all right, I trust them to have a clean inning right now. Because right now it is a very depleted pen. And I'm not I'm still not that worried about the pen this offseason. I'm way, way more concerned with the starting rotation because the way I look at the bullpen this offseason is that the Cubs have been very good the past couple of years at finding the right guys 
that are like due for a bounce back, whether it was a Ryan Tapera or an Andrew Chafin, you know? So I consider their scouting in that department to be very good. Plus at the triple a and even double a level, there's going to be some guys that are ready to make the jump. A few of which we should probably see in September, I imagine. And, um, and yeah, there's gonna be some live arms coming through. So I think the bullpen will sort itself out like it kind of did the last couple of years. I remember the last, like, you know, tw- going into 2020 and 2021, a lot of fans were a little bit like, I don't know about this bullpen. And then the bullpen ended up being super strong both years. 2020, like the Cubs bullpen was really, really good. And then 2021, before we traded away everybody, it was, again, very elite. So not too concerned there. Patrick Wisdom now has 25 home runs. Patrick Wisdom is rocking a sweet stash. Patrick Wisdom plays a, a mean third base, could also play left field and first base. He just turned 30, hit two home runs on his birthday, hit two home runs the next day, hit four home runs over the weekend. He's got 25 home runs now. He is only one away from tying Chris Bryant's record for most home runs as a, for a Cubs rookie, two away from having his own record, and far, far fewer at-bats. The amount of home runs he has to at-bats, if it was for a whole season, would be about almost 50 home runs, I believe. One calculation was like 49, another was like 50, which is probably, you know, probably wouldn't have happened that way. But every time I think he's starting to come back to life, he has another run like this. And you love to see it. And the two home runs he had on Saturday were off of Lance Lynn, a guy who was leading the American League in earned run average coming in. Though, and I speculated this, I feel correctly on this podcast, back in early July-ish, ever since they announced they're cracking down and checking for foreign substances, take a look at those numbers. Take a look at those numbers, baseball fans. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, he might have been getting away with something. Who knows? But uh, he's still a very good pitcher, and 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 Lynn wasn't afraid. So it's the type of pitches I'm watching him hit home runs off of, too. Because, look, every few years, there'll be some guy that kind of comes out of nowhere, or a late bloomer, or just like an unexpected player. And they're they're crushing a certain type of pitch, and the league figures them out. Not with Patrick Wisdom. Early on, he was killing the fastball. Then they, they you know, he did a week where he didn't do much. Then he started adjusting, started hitting breaking balls out of the park. Then they went, you know, it's like they make an adjustment, he makes an adjustment. Patrick Wisdom 100% deserves to be in the starting lineup for this team next year, and I'd like to see it at third base. I look, I obviously I still have that fantasy of Chris Bryant coming back, but I'm also being realistic. Put Patty Wisdom at third base. He can also play left field, first base. He's got some diversity right there, some range. Um, do I see him hitting the 30 home runs? He'll probably finish with this year. I don't know. Maybe there's been other players that have developed late. He's a guy who hit in the minors. From what he, from what you read about Patrick Wisdom, the Cardinals were just dumb. They just were like, well, Matt Carpenter, and they just didn't know where to put him. And then they let him go for hardly anything. But he's a guy that, like, look at that swing. He's got some pop. There have been other players that have blossomed late. You know, I've compared Schwindel, who's been, again, still hitting the ball very well, Frank Schwindel. He, you could put him at first. First, Schwindel. Third, Wisdom. Nico at second. Madrigal maybe in left field. You get yourself a Corey Seager shortstop. Nick Castellanos is your DH. You got to take a warming up center field till Brendan Davis barges in. That's a good offense. This Cubs offense in the month of August before getting shut out today. They lost 7-0, of course, today. Again, tip of the head to Dylan Cease. Or no, they didn't lose seven. Nothing. What am I talking about? They got it was third, seven. Seven. Nothing is what we won by on Saturday. Sorry, I got all sorts of box scores in front of my face right now. We lost thirteen to one today. That was painful. And uh, Schwindel was doing. He went deep. 
my point is, though, the offense has been much better over the month of August, averaging about four and a half runs a game, which is middle of the pack in the NL. So it's been an average or maybe slightly above average offense. Because now I looked at, I did these numbers yesterday and I had to do the math on it because I couldn't find runs per game, but then I was able to compare it to everything else. So what I did was I literally counted up all the runs we scored and divided it by games played. See, basic. What's up? I went to Chicago public grade school. And I said, wow, the Cubs are like basically middle of the road there. And that was better than I thought. But I think they might have been middle of all of baseball, but like a little bit better NL. If you just because usually American League with the DH, they'll score a few more runs here or there. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar, everybody. Everyone knows how nutritious Built Bar is, but if you talk to fans of Built Bar, they'll tell you how incredibly tasty they are too. And they're very passionate about their flavors because we've got coconut, raspberry, mint brownie. That's my favorite. Double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. So delish. So amazing. Here's the best part. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180 and only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So here's what you want to do. You want to order today. Get my favorite flavor. Get that mint brownie. You'll thank me. Trust me on that one. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. That's sweet, right? And here's the offer. Go to BuiltBar.com. Yeah, pause the podcast right now. Head over to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's right. Use promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Bet online, everyone. It is that time of year. Pro and college football action is starting up soon. Are you excited? Are you excited? Bears fans, we got less than two weeks. Sunday night kickoff. Let's get pumped. Justin Fields, we're going to see it. Here's what we want to do. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL for Survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. So head to the website or use your cell phone today and you will receive what? What? A 100% welcome bonus. Hot damn, that's good. So be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo in which if you make a bet on Thursday's season opener against uh, the Bucks taking on the Cowboys, if you lose, your wage will be refunded for up to 25 bucks for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. So here's what you want to do. You want to head over to Bet Online, right? You got all the great games, including your Vegas casino favorites. Bet Online, your online sports book expert. Promo code locked on. All right, Cubs fans. Uh, to wrap it up, I'm not. I, I told you right before those uh, two advert reads there. Two players. You add two all-star level players, which in some off seasons is difficult to come by, but not in an off season in which the Cubs have boatloads boatloads of money at their dispense if they so choose because again you know I, I could you could say that all i could say it all the time i could say like you know salary cap is 210 million as of right now still the cba will be worked itself out right even if it gets lowered down to that 180 million dollar rumor and then the floor being raised to 100 if the floor is raised to 100 the cubs have to expend at least 20 to 25 million because right now the cubs have about 45 million committed but with salary arbitration raises for certain players like Wilson Contreras and like uh, Alec Mills, by the way, shout out to Alec Mills. He pitched phenomenal on Saturday. And I'm going to touch on him in a second, too, when it comes to the starting rotation for 2022. Contreras, perhaps interesting, too. He's really been heating up lately, which, again, is a good thing. If you're on the fence on him about his future with the team, I'm slightly torn, too. I, I love the guy. I'd be happy to have him back as our left fielder, switch hitter. You know, I, I think 
We know what we got out of Hayward. Even though he gets paid a lot, sometimes you have to suck it up and just realize he's only got two years left. We know what we're getting. We're happy with him being off the bench, defensive replacement late, spot starts here or there. You just have to deal with that. Excuse me. Had a burp again. It's a good pizza, though. It's really good pizza. I ate. With Hap, though, his strikeouts, Wisdom's a guy that strikes out a ton. I was talking about Wisdom's profile before. He's a high strikeout guy, which, again, you don't mind them as long as they're producing. You know, that's the thing. Shohei Otani and Fernando Tatis Jr. technically strike out well above league average, but you don't care because they also hit everything else well above league average. I'm getting a cold, too. I hope it's not COVID. Knock on wood. I am vaccinated, so take care of yourselves out there, everyone. Um, I throw out the strikeout number because with Wisdom, you know, ideally you'd want him betting like sixth on a good lineup because you'd want, you know, if we did get Castellanos and Seager, you have your three, four, five is Castellanos, Seager, Contreras, I think. A healthy Contreras bets fifth. You put Wisdom sixth. Then you put a bat like Nico behind him at seventh, who's a higher contact stick. Or Frank Schwindel betting seventh, who's a higher contact guy as well. That's some of the stuff you think about. Hap, though, I do like that he's left-handed, but if you have Hap and Wisdom, it's pretty high K guys right there. Two high K guys, I think you can get away with, again, as long as everybody else. And Contreras, he kind of goes back and forth between being average at the K department, but he's been mostly above. That's the thing. You don't mind it as much, because when the Cubs offense was firing back in May and early June, it was just Duffy and Nico and Rizzo. So you had three guys who were pretty good, and Bryant was league average when it came to strikeouts. So you just need to find that balance. I think that's the key to all of this. Now, as far as the pitching goes, I was talking about the Cubs payroll. They got 45, 48 million committed. And even with the raises that a lot of people are projecting, they're only up to 75, maybe 80 tops. So if they do this rumored floor of 100 million, they got to spend at least 20 million, which is not. They only spend 20 million in the offseason free agents, and it's going to be a long, long 2022. But if they actually go up to the $180 million, just below it, Say they go, hey, we don't want to get too close to that salary cap in case we want to make a mid-season acquisition that puts us over. So say they go up to 160. That means they'll have $80 million to spend in free agency. That is enough for two all-star level hitters, like I just said, and two really, really good starting pitchers. One top end, one like strong number two, number three. That's enough for that, plus with another $10 million left over for some bullpen additions and a couple other things to sprinkle around, like a better backup catcher if you so desire, some depth pieces, plenty of that to get you up to 160 Not kidding. That's, that's really very doable. With the farm system on the rise, and you're not sending one to block anyone. So say we need to – I think we need two bona fide starters. You got Hendricks. I know Hendricks got beat up really badly today, and he has not looked as sharp. He's looked very inconsistent. I think there's something going on with Kyle mentally right now. This is the first time in his career he's pitching meaningless games. And I really mean that because when he first came up in 2014, the Cubs were out of it, but those games were meaningful to him because he was auditioning for a spot in the starting rotation the next year. This is legitimately the first time in his career as a major league pitcher in which he's pitching in games that do not matter. He might be thinking to himself, this is just, this sucks. He also might be thinking, I was the only guy to extend out of the 2016 team. Am I going to get traded in the offseason? Like, there's just a lot going through. I'm not worried about Kyle Hendricks going forward. I'm really not. I think he'll be back. If, if the Cubs go out looking to be competitive, and even if it's a rebuilding year, he can mentally prepare himself for it long run, get back to business, right? It was, you know, it's a strange season for a lot of people. And even a guy as smart as, and even keeled and just poised as Kyle Hendricks, still a human being. I'm not worried about Kyle. I'll put Kyle right back up there as a top three guy in any rotation. I really do believe that. Go out and get yourself 
another guy that that could be slotted in as a one or a two, right? Max Scherzer, he's older, but he's still pitching at a very high level. I bet he signs a two-year deal. You could sell him on Wrigley. Everyone should play here once before they retire, that type of thing. The fans are great. You're going to love it. You get Hendricks, Scherzer. Then you get a middle-of-the-rotation type guy, but not like bad. Someone like, like a John Gray, someone who could bounce back even. All right, there's some arms out there. And then, so that's your, and then Adbert, I th- I'm, I'm happy with Adbert being your number four. Then you have Steele or Thompson battling for the five spot, throwing Alec Mills in there who's looked really good, a guy who could who's pitched well out of the pen at times for the Cubs as a long guy and has looked really sharp as a starter since, you know, we traded away everyone. He's slotted back in the starting rotation. So, again, all you need is two really good starters, and it has a domino effect in which you have depth now. And whoever doesn't win the number five spot, say Alec Mills straight up wins that, that role. And you got a rotation of Hendricks, free agent, free agent, Edbert Alzali, and Millsy. Now you got Steele and Thompson back in the bullpen, and they were money in the pen. So now your pen becomes scarier. It's just it's a nice thing to happen. And I break all this down because I want fans to think you are never as far as you might believe from competing. Even when your team has a lot of holes, when some holes get filled, Right, because sometimes you fill a hole with a bunch of dirt, and that dirt falls into other holes. And I don't know why. That was a bad analogy I was trying to go with there. I'm just saying that the right moves have like a real positive effect across the board. Whether it's you know moving one guy from one spot to another, and then it, it just it makes it. And even so, even if it's like ah, it's still I don't think we could sign enough in one off season to become like Central Division champs. I think you could sign enough to be competitive in the Central, which means come mid July when trades start heating up. And with the Cubs minor league system only getting better as next off season, as next season will get along, you could find you could make the trade to put you over the top to win the central and get back to becoming perennial playoff contenders again. That's the goal. The goal is to make the playoffs because the playoffs are a crapshoot. The team that has the best regular season record has only won the World Series four times in the last 20 years. Or less than that, maybe four times less, 25 years. It's no guarantee is my point. All right, Cubs fans, this has been the podcast. I do have some big news. I will be dropping on you guys either tomorrow or Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And as always, go Cubs. Locked on bets, everybody. Betting on the NBA, MLB, or NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts.